Happy Friday, everyone. I am Austin Stokel, and I'm your host. On this episode of the Get Soaked Podcast, I have a very special guest joining me today, and that is Mr. Jim Brandstatter, the now former voice of Michigan football from Learfield. He sits down with me to have a very pleasant and exciting conversation, and you will hear that in entirety on this episode of the Get Stoked Podcast. Here we go. Now joining me on the Get Stoked podcast is the Mr. Jim Brandstatter, the now former voice of Michigan football on Learfield. Mr. Brandstatter, how are you doing today? Austin, I'm doing great. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day to talk with me. I appreciate it. No problem. I'm glad to do it. Uh, uh, You and I have a back back story. We uh, kind of met through parents at a deal that we did a couple summers ago up near Petoskey and uh, got a chance to meet you and I'm hoping that your career takes off and uh, you get to great heights. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And yes, we do have a little bit of a backstory. Uh, my parents or th- my dad with the spirit group of the University of Michigan alumni in Petoskey invited you up to speak at one of their events, if I recall correctly. And then That's we uh, and then we <laughs> took you out on the boat yeah. On the lake later we that week. Ride and where did we have, we had uh, dinner and cocktails over at uh, a place at the end of the lake, right? Yes, it was called the Barrelback Restaurant. There you go. Yeah, and unfortunately I got you a little soaked at the front of the boat. Uh, <laughs> it was a windy day, what do you expect? Oh, it's, that's uh, Michigan. true. <laughs> it's Michigan and the, and, the, and the lake was up a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely, and then I asked if I could shadow you later on the season. You happily obliged and... Here we are. Yeah, here we are. Yeah, and I remember you vividly told me, well, I can't remember, remember if this was over the phone or or through email or in person, you <laughs> vividly recalled, I recall saying this, uh, if you want to get into this industry, don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, But you said uh, that in a more joking way. Yeah, yeah. well, it's like I said, it, it, for, a long, for a long while, it's, uh, it takes... You don't make any money. Uh, I mean, you know, I think that's probably why that's probably part of the process of weeding out people because I've known hundreds and hundreds of people that want to go into broadcasting and maybe 10 of them made it uh, because mm-hmm. the first hundred uh, after a year or two said, man, you're not making any money. They got into sales or they got a business, they got a public relations, they got into advertising. There's a lot of different ways. And I think that that's a great process because I think it, the guy that really wants to go into it and stay in it, Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of struggle. There's a lot of, uh, you know, work with, with, without a lot of compensation. Uh, but if you make it through that and, and you, and you work hard and you, uh, work at your craft, uh, at some point you'll get that break and, and then you'll begin to, you know, again, you know, make a career of it, but, um, it's not the easiest road. There's a lot of people that want to do it and, um, the competition is hard. Oh, absolutely. This is probably one of the most competitive fields out there. And it's uh, something that I've always been interested in doing. And with me starting this podcast, I hope this helps me lift off the ground just a little bit more than sending out resumes, talking to uh, recruiters. 
well, you've got to start somewhere. And the other thing is, is it's important to have something on tape oh, to show your work to people. And I think that's exactly what, you know, you need to do if you're getting started in the business. You want to say, hey, I have interview skills. You know, I have play-by-play skills. I have the ability to tell a story skills. All those things come into play when you are, you know, competing for a job with somebody else in the broadcast industry. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And I feel like now I can say I have a little bit more interview experience now that you're on here on this podcast. Great. Great. And that's going to lead me into my first question is this, of course, was your last season calling alongside Dan Deerdorf up in the booth for Michigan football. And my first question for you is based on the performance this past season, do you think Michigan exceeded expectations? Did they meet expectations? And what was a favorite highlight of yours from this past season? Oh, wow. I I think to answer your first question, it depends upon what your expectations were. I mean, who who were you? Were you one of those at the beginning of the season said Michigan was going to be third or fourth in the uh, Big Ten East? Um, If if you were one of those people said that coming off the year that they had the previous year, that, you know, they weren't going to be any good at all, uh, then they've exceeded expectations. Uh, I was one of those who felt that they were going to be pretty good. I, I didn't know that they were going to be a Final Four team. Uh, so in that sense, even for me, I thought they could compete for the Big Ten East. I did. Um, I thought it'd be tough to go to Penn State, win that game, and uh, and go to and, and have Ohio State come in as a quote perennial Final Four and win that game. I thought that'd be tough, but I thought they had the opportunity. I thought they were good enough to compete. So. In my opinion, even though I didn't think they'd make it to the Final Four, even though I had higher expectations, they kind of exceeded mine. And um, I think the only people that they kind of met the expectations is those guys within the hallways of Schembechler Hall. I think every member of that team, Jim Harbaugh and his staff, felt that they could do this. And they went out and proved it. And, 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 and for them, I think the year went as expected. They were probably disappointed at the end that they didn't give Georgia a bigger run. And what was my highlight, um, Austin? It doesn't get any better than that finale against Ohio State, I'm... and having the ability to say at the end, once again, the final Michigan forty-two, Ohio State twenty-seven. Uh, that was that was as good as it gets with the crowd taking over the field, the domination of the team against Ohio State. It had been a long, long time uh, since we'd beaten Ohio State. So, from a highlight standpoint. That that was it. There were plenty of others, you know. I mean, I'm you know the the touchdown against Penn State, um, the way they handle adversity, uh, the way the young guys came through. Uh, Hassan Haskins, just the leadership he had. Um, Aiden Hutchinson's unbelievable year. Those are all highlights. But the reality is that 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 final five minutes against the high state it didn't get any better than that. Oh, absolutely. I'm going to have to agree with you on that one. I was watching the game on Fox, but I actually turned on the radio to listen to you and Dan Dierdorf and just shut off the volume of the TV completely because I thought you were way more entertaining than um, <laughs> Gus Johnson. But Gus Johnson did a phenomenal job at he that did. game. And one of, one of my favorite clips, especially listening to you, uh, this is on a Spotify Play, playback on the Embo, MGO Blue podcast right? Is, is you were describing this was late in the game where Hassan Haskins, I believe, he runs 20, 30 yards 
down to, I believe it was the 10 or 9-yard line, and you're just screaming. He leaps over a man to set up, I believe, first and goal, and the crowd just erupts to get Michigan that final touchdown. Yeah, it was, uh, like I said, they were magical moments. That game, as I told people after the game, people kept asking me, what did I said it was just a magical day from beginning to end. I mean, it was our final broadcast at Michigan Stadium. Dan and I were retiring after that game, so we weren't going to broadcast at the grand old lady that is the big house anymore. And to, to have it come against Ohio State and to have it to be a dominant performance and to have the crowd, all the frustrations of all the years uh, seem to come out. And, and to be there to be part of that, um, I think, helped me with those calls and helped me with the play-by-play of that game because I think that as a play-by-play voice, you have to take that person who's not at the game and bring him to that stadium. And and there's a passion and an emotion that comes with that. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, that crowd and that day and that game and those uh, emotions came through. And, and that, to me, is how you do the game. Take that guy who's not there, bring him there, and have him experience that game experience. Oh, absolutely. I felt like I was at the game even though I was sitting on my couch at home. Best compliment I could get. And and the snow, the atmosphere, the 110,000-plus fans, and the storming of the field, it just added to the excitement of 10 years of basically pain and suffering for the Michigan fan base. And to Absolutely. finally and to finally beat Ohio State on our home turf to outright go to the Big Ten championship, that was one of the best feelings I've had all year. And yeah, it was uh, like I said, it was uh, a magical day. Yeah, absolutely. And my dad and I were fortunate enough to go to the Big Ten championship, witness Michigan win it at the first time since they split the conference, I believe. And it, uh, first time in seventeen years. Yeah, seventeen years. Yeah, and it it was awesome. It was a magical season, and Jim Harbaugh finally put out his promise of winning a Big Ten championship and getting to the playoff. Of course, it didn't at, uh, it didn't end the way everyone wanted to, but it definitely capped off the year of capitalizing on everything that Jim Harbaugh set out to do. No question. The uh... And I thought it was great after the game, uh, even after Ohio State. He said, man, this is just great. And I think there's some video of him in the locker room talking about how that win to all those players was a great day for them, but it was a great day for Michigan. It was a great day for Michigan fans. It was a great day for the former players. da 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 And he went on like that, and he said, but wait a minute. You know what else it is? It's just the beginning. And I thought that was a key phrase and how Jim, you know, uh, was able to you know, say, this is just the beginning. You know, we can do this all the time. And and we have to, you know, put our nose to the grindstone and go to work. But this is just the beginning of what we can do. And then they went on and won the Big Ten Championship. And sadly, it didn't go as well against Georgia. But that idea that it's just the beginning, I think, has uh, really resonated throughout the program and, and throughout the players. And I think that with guys like J.J. McCarthy and Blake Corum and Andrew Anthony, uh, some of the younger guys, uh, they believe that 
you know, this is just the start. I mean, there's more of this to come and, uh, I'm excited for the, for the, for the rest of them and to, to watch what, what does come down the road. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. And with that last phrase that this is just the beginning, that leads me into my next question. Uh, considering the recent coaching carousel in the NFL with Jim Harbaugh toying with the idea of going back to the NFL, uh, did initially, did you expect coach Harbaugh to stay or go? And when, what was your initial reaction when you first learned that he decided to stay and have his contract extended? Look, I, I thought he was going to stay all along us. And I really did. I, I was actually somewhat surprised that he took the interview with uh, Minnesota and um all of the talk and, and and let me just say this the talk and the media reports and the unnamed sources and the anonymous sources that had him going to chicago had him going to las vegas had him going to all these places in my opinion is totally irresponsible because none of that stuff is true oh, absolutely and yet it's being thrown out there and to me that's that's not journalism anymore and clearly, whoever their anonymous sources are, if I'm that guy reporting it, those anonymous sources just took my credibility and sent it down the toilet. Mm-hmm. So from that perspective, uh, I just think the idea that we all should realize and understand that these days, uh, and it's sad, some of these reporters and some of these quote-unquote inside sources and um, guys that are reporting, uh, it's about getting it first rather than getting it right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and none of them got it right. And ultimately, I was surprised Jim took the interview in Minnesota. Once I heard him talk about it, once I heard him you know, say, hey, I had I had gotten to the Super Bowl once. I, I was just kind of interested to see if if anything, if I felt like this, this could be the same kind of a deal. Or can I get back there, kind of a deal? And I don't. I don't blame him mm-hmm. for um, for investigating that. Heck, I mean, don't 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 all the players don't they have an opportunity to go? I mean, if they've got an opportunity to go to the NFL, look look at David Ajabo and some of these younger guys. That's that's what they're there for. They're they're there to make a career, and, and they're moving on to the National Football League. And nobody's you know complaining about them now. From Harbaugh's perspective as a coach. I think you can, you know, say, yeah, you got a contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all that. But the reality of life is in real world business in, in, in any other industry, if someone has an opportunity to go to another company, another corporation has been courted by them to go to an interview. And when that guy gets there and interviews, whether he doesn't like the boss, he doesn't like commute. He doesn't like, uh, you know, the, the culture of the corporation, whatever it might be, or he doesn't like his job description. He finds out that when he gets to the interview, and then he turns around and says, okay, thank you very much, but no thanks. The job may not even been offered. And he goes home and he's just delighted to be back home in the real world. That happens a lot. And nobody complains and says, oh my gosh, that guy isn't a loyal guy. Well, that's what they seem to do to Jim and football coaches. But when Jim came back, signed the deal with Ward and said, this is the last time that's going to happen. I'm at Michigan for life. That's the key. And if that happens, if that's accurate, if I don't want to hear any in the future, anyway, next fall or next winter, 
the idea that Jim Harbaugh is on this guy's shortlist or da 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 da. I, I hope that that's not the case. And if it does come up, I hope Jim by himself, in his own words, puts those to rest. Because, you know, we've been down this road before. It's not a great road for a collegiate football coach to go down, especially when you're recruiting and, and you're, you've got families and young guys that are uh, banking on you being there. And so I hope that that's the case as you move forward. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm going to have to agree with you. I myself was surprised too that he took this interview, but I was talking to my friends, some of the other Michigan fans that I know, some were saying, oh, he's going to go to wherever mm-hmm. who offers him. And I was thinking he was going to stay. And I always had that gut feeling he was going to stay. And given the last seven years he's been with Michigan, you've always had those rumors of, is he going to go? Yeah. Is he going to stay? And all of those proved to be wrong, especially this year, given that yep. his contract was shortened. Uh, he took a pay cut. And this definitely could have been a year he left, but he's committed to Michigan. And now that he has that contract extension, it just proves to me that he's going to be here for the long run. And I'm excited to see what happens. Yep, I am too. And, and again, I think the, the important thing to take out of the whole deal is that he said this isn't going to happen again. And, and as long, if that is true, if mm-hmm. we get to next winter and uh, those rumors don't happen and they're put to bed fast, then I think uh, this past season is uh, you know, the whole unrest or rumor mill that we went through would be, will be worth it. Oh, absolutely. And with coaches like Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame to go to LSU, Lincoln Riley going to USC. It's they're everywhere. Oh, that's no, everywhere. Just, it's a whole carousel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um you know, like I said, it, it's it's everywhere and it's gonna happen everywhere and and, and it's gonna get worse probably. Oh absolutely. Um yeah. because of the new you know, college football's headed into a whole different world with uh, name image and likeness and mm-hmm. some of this other stuff. Mm-hmm. It's conference championships, uh a playoff expansion, possibly, even though they said they're not going to do it until what 2025 or something like that. Yeah, 2025. Uh, there's still going to be pressure, and and it, it, it's the wild, wild west out there. Oh, it so, is. So, I think yeah, I think you know the college football is changing, and it's changing rapidly, like technology. Every day, every hour, uh, there's a new ramification to, you know, what the collegiate football environment is going to look like. Um daily and and that's something i think you just have to you roll with the punches and be fluid and react to it Mm -hmm. oh yeah absolutely and there's no question that people come and go new hires are brought in and my next question to you is with the recent hire of coach minter from vanderbilt the departure of uh his name escapes me the former offensive coordinator uh josh gaddis yes gaddis i apologize i cannot remember his name and, no problem. And with the promotion of coordinators Weiss and Moore, along with the new recruits that come in, uh, what are your expectations for this upcoming season? And I know spring practice has started a couple days ago, if I recall. Uh, but my question to you is, what are your expectations? And do you think Michigan could go back-to-back for a potential another round of Big Ten championship play? Yeah, I do. I mean, I think they do. I, I, I really do think they can. And, and I base that on the fact that, the important thing is you got quarterbacks back. Mm-hmm. 
and both J.J. McCarthy and Cade McNamara are going to be back. Um, you've got a lot of skill guys back. Andrew Anthony. You've got uh, um, A.J. Uh, Henning. Uh, you've got Ronnie Bell will, will return. Running backs, the Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards. I mean, your skill position's in great shape. Not to mention the fact your tight end room is, is exceptional. Now, you go to the other side of the ball, you lose maybe two of the best edge rushers ever mm-hmm. in, in Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo, but Michigan has recruited really well in that area. And, and same thing at linebacker and and in the secondary. Mm-hmm. And, and they've got some young kids that are going to step up and be ready to go. And so I, I don't think they have – and that's the beauty of college football. I mean, Dax Hill coming in as a freshman and basically made his mark when he was a freshman kind of on special teams and as a as a nickel defensive back. Well, now he's in the NFL two years later. So these guys, these young guys are going to show up. There were some guys that played a year ago, like R.J. Moten. They're going to be stars. And so I, I think Michigan's got a great opportunity um, to move – to move forward and be in contention for the Big Ten East and a Big Ten championship. I love the fact that uh, Minter comes in and he is a, you got to remember, you talk about the change on defense. Minter was a protege of John Harbaugh in, mm-hmm. in Baltimore. Same thing, he's a protege of um, Mike McDonald in Baltimore with the Ravens in the NFL. And, and, and unlike Mike McDonald, who came to Michigan without any coordinator experience, Minter's got coordinator experience. Oh, absolutely. So he's a little bit more, I don't want to say, you know, game ready, if you will, than Mike McDonald. I'm not saying that he's going to have the same result. Don't get me wrong. But I'm saying that this, this guy brings in a pedigree. So I'm, 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 uh, and I don't think that the X's and O's are going to change that much because it's, I think fundamentally kind of a similar scheme. They come from the same classroom, if you will, uh, of the Baltimore the Raven defense. So uh, and I think he'll make a subtle adjustments and things like that. But for the most part, I think that defense is going to be in great hands. And and the other thing I do love, and I thought Josh, Josh Gaz did a great job uh, while he was here at Michigan, but I think Sharon Moore as an offensive line coach two years ago, or excuse me, as a tight ends coach moved to the offensive line last year, that offensive line, the production there and, and their improvement was off the charts. And and I, I credit a lot of that to the players, one, but I thought Sharon Moore did a great job. And Weiss, the, the quarterback's coach, everybody, everyone I talked to, uh, and I've been over there, loved the job that he did. And, and to navigate this past season, think about it, with J.J. McCarthy, Cade McNamara in the same room, both of them wanting you know minutes and playing time, and to make that duo work together not let their egos get in the way, but for the betterment of the team, that there's a masterful job of, of both Harbaugh and, and Weiss, I think. And, and to that end, and because of that evidence, I have uh, great expectations that those two guys more and Weiss will do a great job coordinating, coordinating the offense. I have to agree with you as well. And I, I may say, I agree with you throughout this whole interview, to be honest. <laughs> and, but I, I agree Weiss and Moore will do a phenomenal job in the absence of Gaddis, uh, as well as that new addition uh, transfer from Virginia. His name escapes me at the moment. Uh, I believe he was a former four-star or five-star recruit. He's coming in to an already solid offensive line, making it right. even stronger. And, of course, the weak link in the offseason is the defense, given that you're losing uh, 
David Ojabo and Aiden Hutchinson as, like you said, two pass defense rushers that were crucial in the defense this season. But I think Minter will have his hands full, but I think he'll have it with enthusiasm unknown to mankind. <laughs> and of course, I think he'll do a good job. And I think he will too. Don't forget the names of you know, McGregor, Morris, and, and Taylor Upshaw. Of course, yeah. These guys were these guys were waiting in the wings. It's like I was saying about R.J. Moat and some of these other guys that are. But they made some plays a year ago, and while Hutchinson, nobody's going to be Hutchinson. Ojabo was great. Give these guys an opportunity to play every down. Let me tell you what. Um, they're 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 stars in the making, and it's just a matter of getting it done. Uh, and I think that defense will be fine. I think personnel wise, um, they're going to be just fine. And you know, it's like to me, that's the beauty of college football. Every every season is like Christmas morning. Oh, you kind of open up the present and you see what you got. Yeah, and, and 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 you may have an indication because you told Santa Claus, "Hey, I want this, and I want this." You're not sure you're going to get it, um, and you got to open it up to see what you got. And I think next season, like every other season, you open up the package and you know it may surprise you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and given the fact that we still have McMara and McCarthy, I I honestly believe they could be the most talented QB room in the nation if Michigan does what they need to do. Might be, might be. I mean, you got two four stars in there. I mean, that's pretty good. A five star and a four star. Cade is already quarterback to the team to a big 10 championship for gosh sake. Yeah, so he, he plays like a five star. Um, yeah. And, uh, and we all know what JJ can do. So oh, that's going to be great competition this spring. Yeah. And that also kind of moves along into this next question. Do you believe Cade McNamara will still be QB one? Will they give McCarthy the chance at QB1, or will that stay the same from last season moving forward? I don't know. I mean, I, I think Jim, he has been pretty consistent in saying, you know, this is a meritocracy, and if the guy that plays better gives us the best chance to win, he's going to get the start. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why this spring is so very, very important, and early next fall, because I think they're 1-1A. One one uh, yeah. as you go into the season. But it, it's, again, one of those things where there are certain things J.J. can improve on. There are certain things that uh, Cade can improve on. J.J.'s mobility gives him a little bit of an edge. But Cade's ma- accuracy may give him a little bit more of an edge. You know? So there's all kinds of factors. Getting into the right play, the mental side of playing quarterback. Getting into the right play. Staying in there and hanging in there in the pocket long enough instead of bailing out early. All those little things that, uh, you know, make a quarterback great, those are things you learn and you get better at practice to practice, snap to snap, rep to rep. And and I think that's the way they're going to look at it. And I don't know who's going to be the starter. I really don't. And um, it's the old story. I think you trust your coach to make the right decision to give you the best opportunity to win. And let's face it, we're, we're, we're trusting a coach that last year was – voted the coach of the year by the Associated Press. Mm-hmm. So we're pretty good we're in pretty good shape in that regard. Oh, absolutely. And I will it'll be fun to see in this off season with the spring game coming up. I believe it's April second. I could be wrong on the date. Uh with that yeah. spring game coming up. Uh I'm also interested to see if you'll be there. I may not be, but <laughs> but well right now my, my right now my plans are I, I won't be probably leaving 
uh, Florida until sometime in the middle middle of April. So we'll see. I mean, I like I said, if I were still working, I probably I would have to be back mm-hmm. because we would be involved in probably broadcasting the spring game or doing some some work. But oh, uh, yeah. since you mentioned at the top of the show, I'm uh, retired. Uh, that's not a um, requirement of me <laughs> <laughs> as we go forward. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure Florida and retirement is treating you well. You've had a tremendous career uh, with broadcasting. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You played under Shem Beckler, or I did, and that was uh, you were from '69 to '71, if I'm not mistaken. Or that is, yep, that's correct. And uh, um, what what am I trying to say? I try. I'm trying to remember what you did after your collegiate career. Well I, well, I got into broadcasting. I, went, I, mean, I, I got a free agent contract and played with the New England Patriots, but that didn't work. Mm-hmm. Then I got into broadcasting, and I actually got a job at Channel 25 in Saginaw. Very lucky to get it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I threw out like 40, 15 tapes across the state of Michigan to try to get a job anywhere I could. Mm-hmm. And the only one that answered was this station in Saginaw. Went up there, did the interview, got the job, and um, hung in there making no money at all for about five years and then got a job in Detroit. And, um, that was kind of the beginning. Of, and I worked my way into a play by play position. I wanted to do play by play to me. That was the most fun of mm-hmm. the sports broadcasting roles and, um, very lucky and able to parlay myself into a play by play job with Michigan and the Detroit lions. And, uh, did that for, like I said, 43 years. Yeah. Basically ever since you, Ever since the Detroit position, the rest is history, really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, it's uh, been a great run. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I just could not remember, but I'm glad you mentioned it. And I was trying to do a little bit of research of my own on your backstory a little bit. Mm-hmm. And no, it's, it's you had an incredible run. So did Dan Deardorff. So no question. And it was definitely an emotional season this past year. And I, I think a great way to end it. For retirement, well, I could, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, that if you re- if you I told people this, if you wrote a screenplay mm-hmm. uh, and sent it to Hollywood, that these guys, these announcers, and go through our backstories, or whatever, and the final year when they decide to retire and they, they announce it in September, and uh, it, it ends that way, a screenwriter in Hollywood say, "No, nah, that can't happen. That's, <laughs> forget that. We aren't going to make this movie because that's way out of that's that's not." gonna happen it's too fairy so, tale to have yeah to have it happen is, is pretty special oh absolutely and i'm sure you wouldn't want to have it any other way maybe no. with a win over georgia that would well, hey, would have been you know i mean it would have been like uh really really off the charts nuts oh, if we'd gone out and won a national title but oh man just getting to the final four and and playing in the orange bowl that for a year when you weren't a lot of people didn't think they'd even make the top three in their own division of the Big Ten. Oh, I know, yeah. So to get to that point, uh, I think uh, overachieving is uh, probably the the term. Oh, absolutely. And uh, my my next question has to do with the bowl season. And if you were to choose one bowl game other than the one that you called, is there one that was that stuck out in your mind? at all well i'm always a i'm always uh a, a traditionalist mm-hmm. so the rose bowl the rose bowl is always to me one of the, the great bowls it's one of the great events it's one of the great 
sporting events in in, in the country. Mm-hmm. It's like the Kentucky Derby, the Super Bowl, Daytona Five Hundred, uh, the Daytona Five Hundred, uh, the Indianapolis Five Hundred, the Rose Bowl, uh, the NCAA Final Four. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, those are things you, you know in your lifetime you, you should go to. Oh, absolutely, and and the, and and the Rose Bowl. I've been very fortunate to go to the Rose Bowl and broadcast it before, but. You know, uh, nowadays things have changed. Uh, but that game, clearly, Ohio State and Oregon was an unbelievable, or, or, or uh, Ohio State and Utah was an unbelievable game. But, you know, just from a history standpoint and a tradition standpoint, uh, there's a special place in my heart always for the Rose Bowl. Mm-hmm. And Ohio State, Utah played a phenomenal game. I personally wanted Utah to win that one. Uh, but having Ohio State come back and win it, I think that was. That was that was as, unbelievable. Was, I mean, I as talented nobody, as you could see it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, nobody played defense. I mean, I was, I, I was just shocked that both teams' offenses were powerhouses. But oh, it was a defensively. Defensively, it was like, man, you know, show up out there. And that uh, Smith and Jigba from Ohio State, mm-hmm. that guy is going to be a real load. Anybody who plays them next year. Better figure out a way to cover that guy because he is something else. Oh, Michigan included, absolutely. Oh yeah, anybody on their schedule, look out. That uh, Stroud and and Jigba, oh, uh, and and Harrison, the young the young um, the young receiver, the freshman, he's going to be a load. It's just they just restock, they just reload down there. Oh, absolutely. And for them to play in the granddaddy of them all, it was a it was a great end for their season, and. I'm excited for this next matchup upcoming in next November, yep. uh, but we're going to have to sit on the edges of our seats and wait until opening kickoff in the first. And you know week what? It's so competitive across the big 10. You don't know what happens from one year to the next. I mean, you can, you can say somebody is this guy and they're the odds on favor and all that, but you get a critical injury at some point. Mm-hmm. You know, for instance, if Stroud goes down in Ohio state of quarterback in one of their games, something happens, right? Oh yeah. They, they may not be as good, mm-hmm. but so so it's not a it's not a sure thing every year. The one thing I know about college football is that um, wait a minute, something will change. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely, and uh, I'm I'm excited to see what happens. I am too. And for my next question, I'm gonna switch it over to the Super Bowl since we mentioned it very briefly. Given that the Rams won twenty three to twenty. Over the Bengals, Matthew Stafford got traded just over a year ago from the Lions to the Rams. What did you think of his performance to cap off a phenomenal year for him? I thought he was great. Um, I thought he was great throughout the playoffs too. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so pleased for him. I mean, I all the time he was with the Lions, I, I always said that this was the best chance the Lions had to win is with number nine taking the snap. I mean, mm-hmm. he was just that good and and they, he didn't get a lot of respect there were people who said oh, a lot of his stats come after the game's over and he throws for a lot of yards and stuff and i used to say man you guys don't get it do you oh no <laughs> i mean the, the, the guy the guy i mean he didn't have a, what i would call a quality running game he didn't have a dominant defense at any of those times he was there and yet he put up numbers and and god bless calvin johnson and some of the great receivers that he had there but matthew stafford made made others around him really great. Calvin was going to be great no matter who threw him the ball. Okay? Oh, no question. No question. But there were other guys. Golden Tate had his best year in Detroit because Matthew was there. 
Marvin Jones had his best year ever in the National Football League, and there's a reason. Number nine was there. And when he went, I mean, when, you know, we knew Cooper Cup was a good receiver, okay? Mm-hmm. Well, he had, he had the year of years. Well, what was the difference for Cooper Cup? Matthew Number Stafford. nine was the quarterback, yeah, Matthew, Matthew Stafford. Stafford. That was the only thing that was different about that team from the previous years that Cooper Cup had played in L.A. So for him to win the Super Bowl, for him to orchestrate that last you know, minute drive, the fourth quarter drive to win the game. To me, that, that, I mean, he's done. I've watched him do that a hundred times. Mm-hmm. Matthew Stafford's the real deal. And I was so pleased that he won that game. And, and, and again, I go back to how do you win football games? You win it with all three phases of the game. Okay. And, and Aaron Donald, who is an absolute beast, you win with offense, defense, the defense closed it out with Aaron Donald and Von Miller and all that other stuff. They were great. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. They sacked Joe Burrow. They did everything that they needed to do. They were they were spectacular. And Aaron Donald, in my opinion, could have gotten the MVP also. Cooper Cup got it. He deserved it too. And so did Matthew. And any three, any one of those three guys that had given the MVP, I got no argument. So, they, you know, it takes all three. But in the end, you're you're down, and you, and you got six minutes to play. And you got a quarterback that's got to stare down this defense that's been all over you all day long and figure out a way to score a touchdown to win. And Matthew Stafford did it. Uh, and that, what do I think of his performance? A Hall of Fame worthy. And I, I believe that to this day, that maybe that was the one thing missing other than his numbers mm-hmm. to put him over the top to get him into Canton. In my opinion, you know, with this Super Bowl, maybe Pat, uh, Matthew uh, has that ticket to uh, to Canton, kind of written. Still, you know, it's still not sure yet, but um, clearly, I think that the Super Bowl helps him in that regard. Oh, absolutely! And with his numbers, they he was the fastest to fifty thousand yards for a quarterback. He has the same amount of Super Bowls as Aaron Rodgers now. Yeah, and there's a lot of people saying. The, the big debate around him is, is he a Hall of Fame worthy quarterback? Some people say yes. Some people say no. I think he's a good look, pick. Yeah, I, I, I do too. I mean, you put, look at quarterbacks that are in the, in, in, in the Hall of Fame. Not from quote unquote the, the old era, not the Otto Grahams or those guys, but Marino, for instance. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he never won a Super Bowl and he's in. Yeah. He has numbers. Well, Matthew's numbers are better than his. How do you justify that? How do you say, well, Matthew doesn't belong, but Marino does? I'm, I'm just, I'm just asking the question. Mm-hmm. And there are others that that are that are like that. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I, it's arguable, yeah. But the fact remains, this guy's performances over the years that he's been in the league culminated with a again his fourth quarter comebacks has culminated in some, you know, it culminated with a Super Bowl, has put him in the conversation. And I think if, if, if he would be elected, I would have no argument whatsoever. None. Because his numbers are good and he's got that ring to show for it too. Absolutely. And I, if I were on the committee, I would put Matthew Stafford on the top of the list. Maybe not the first year he's eligible, maybe the second or third year. But no, I, I – he sure, sure should get in, and not by the Veterans Committee. Oh, no. He should get in on his own merits for his own career. So five years after he hangs him up and retires, 
I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if he's on the list of guys that go in. Mm -hmm. And speaking of, of retirement, how surprised were you that Tom Brady retired this past season? Oh, kind of 50, 50. I mean, I I know he talked about wanting to go further. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but, but there were hints and stuff and, and, and he had made a couple of hints over the last few years, actually. And, and the hints were about his family. Oh, absolutely. He's, he, remember, he, he started talking about, you know, I'm spending more time with the family, the kids. I mean, his son, Jack, is growing up, you know, and he, he's like that, you know, middle school young guy now. And it's like, you, you're a dad. And I think he, he understands family more than maybe anybody because of how much he reveres his mom and dad and his sisters. Uh, they, they have a tremendous relationship. And I think he appreciates family so much. And I think he kind of sat back and maybe after last year going, I think last year, not last season, but the year before that, going to Tampa, winning that Super Bowl, I, I thought that was important for him to kind of validate everything that he did at New England. It just wasn't Belichick. You know, that, that, you know there were certain things that, you know, he wanted to kind of put the rest in his own mind, not anybody else's mind, okay, but but maybe in his own. And I think that, that year winning that Super Bowl really, I think, gave him peace uh, even though he didn't need it but but it, for, in his own mind it, as competitive as he is i think that that, that kind of made it but during that period of time during the off season and everything i think that the idea of his family the kids were growing up and he wanted to spend more time with them uh, his wife was you know, suggesting he spend more time doing this or doing that he had a bunch of other things on his plate if you notice he's been doing a little bit more advertising he wasn't really big in the advertising world he's doing some subway commercials and mm-hmm. a little bit more of that than he had before and i think he kind of just said you know maybe maybe this time and to go through barry sanders said this when he retired to, to go through the work the preparation what it takes to get yourself ready for a 16 17 game schedule it's a five six month uh season but a three four month uh preparation of course, and, yeah. and, and it takes a toll mm-hmm. uh, time wise. I mean, you're in, he's in the building at six o'clock in the morning, then going till 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. Um, he's traveling on weekends. They're doing Monday night games. They get home four in the morning. I it's, it's amazing the amount of time they spend on it. I just think he, he kind of said two years ago, talked about his family and this, that there were indications. And this year, I think, you know, they got a lot of injuries and yet he got them as far as they could go. And and I I could see him doing it, so I thought he might take another shot, but uh, I also wasn't surprised that he decided to hang him up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's already the rumor mill going around that he could potentially make a comeback, which of course I don't. I don't. I don't think so. Yeah, it, yeah I think that I, again, <laughs> it's the rumor mill. <laughs> anything Unless goes. Unless you're with Tom it. Brady or Giselle, uh huh. You yeah. don't know. And uh, I I read a report saying that there was a little bit of a little bit of uncertainty within the Buccaneers organization, or a little bit of sourness, if you will, with Bruce Arians Again, and Tom Brady. I, I, I would I would not I would not believe any of that. Yeah, but I really would. I mean, I, <laughs> the guy won a championship for him a year ago. Oh, absolutely, on their home field, a Super Bowl. He was brought in to do it. He did it. He took him as close as he could without 
with with basically one receiver. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, uh, this year, and a lot of injuries, and he didn't have his best running back in the last five games. You know, and and he did he he, he took that franchise on his shoulders for two years, and elevated it to where it would never go with oh, Jameis yeah. Winston or mm-hmm. whoever else they would have had on the roster. Uh-huh. For someone to suggest. Uh, and again, that there's bitterness in the organization. I find that to be hard to believe. And given what we talked about in regards to the Jim Harbaugh situation, I, I just, I don't believe anything anybody writes and nobody that tells me they've got an inside source or an anonymous source. I'm sorry. I ain't buying it. Unless you're Jim or excuse me, unless you're Tom Brady or Giselle. I ain't buying the fact that there's any kind of discord or upset mm-hmm. people within the Tampa organization uh, in Tom Brady. That's just that's just me, uh, and take it for what it's worth. Absolutely, and it also kind of coincides with you can't re- believe everything you read online or every be- oh. <laughs> everything you hear. <laughs> that's uh, like a, that's like a weed factory. Oh, of course. Trying to yeah. pull all the weeds out of that, mm-hmm. you'd be there forever. And it, the rumor mill would just be circulating endlessly, as it oh, already it, is. It still does. I mean, oh, it still does. Yeah. And and you know, I, I just again, I've, I've you know, I've <laughs> I've made the mistake mm-hmm. of, of believing some of it, and, and after a while, it's, it's the old story. After a while. You kind of say to yourself, "Wait a minute!" You know, it's like the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. Mm-hmm. And my thinking is, is why am I do, reading this stuff and giving it any credibility at all when nine times out of ten over the past two years, when I've you know believed some of this stuff, it's come up to be completely, totally false. Mm-hmm. So why am I why am I still putting any credibility into it? And that's kind of where where I come down now on the quote unquote rumor mill blogosphere all that stuff it's um to me it's uh noise absolutely no it's just noise and nothing else uh for this next question i have for you i'm transitioning over to michigan basketball i don't know how much you've been following it uh, yeah but they've won michigan basketball they won last night over rutgers 72 6 71 to 62 is was the score Uh, but on sunday i'm sure you saw in some capacity, the little scuffle that both benches, Wisconsin and Michigan, had ultimately right. giving Juwan Howard his five-game suspension, $40,000 fine. Uh, what were your thoughts after that all unfolded? I, I, you know, I was disappointed in Juwan. And, and, and I love Juwan Howard. I, I think he's absolutely the perfect choice mm-hmm. uh, to be the basketball coach at Michigan. He, he gets it. He's a Michigan man. Uh, and there, I, yeah. I, I understand, you know, he's a competitive guy. You don't get to the NBA and play as long as you do in the NBA. You don't become in, come into Michigan as a fab five guy, get to a final four without being ultra competitive. He's that way. He brings that with him as a coach. And that's why he's a great coach. He's got that fire. He's got that stuff. And I think that he felt and I'm, again, I'm, I'm, I'm explaining it as opposed to justifying it. And, and I don't justify, you know, him, him, him throwing the open-handed slap. That, that was, I think, out of character. And I, and I know that he doesn't, he 
he he feels that he probably made a mistake there too. But mm-hmm. the f- the fact is is that he's sitting there and he 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 loves those players, and he felt with those timeouts that were called late in the game, da da da, going on that that his players were being disrespected. Mm-hmm. It was more it was more about his players and more about that than than it was. I think about how, how he was mad. You know, he just felt that his players were being disrespected by the other guy's administration, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what that, that's what caused him to bubble up and go over the top. Oh, and yeah. so, I'm just I'm disappointed that he did it. I just I can't understand why. Uh, I, I when people were calling for him to be fired, I thought that was way off base. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I you know, Juwan's the perfect coach for the University of Michigan basketball program, and um, I, I think that. You know, he, he, I think what they did was correct. I think so the suspension, I knew there would be a suspension. I didn't know whether it would go the rest of the season. Uh, I'm, I'm a little surprised that, you know, it didn't. But again, they're going to revisit the whole episode at the end of the regular season and determine whether he's going to coach in the postseason. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, yeah, I'm disappointed with Juwan, but um, I'm still glad that he's there. I think the, uh, the penalties were appropriate. Uh, I think Juwan did a great job in regards to his apology. So did Ward Manuel thought he handled it beautifully. And, um, I think, I think you now move forward and clearly in Juwan, I think he's learned to learned a real important lesson. And as he goes forward in his career, this is going to be with him the rest of the way. I mean, you can, you can just see it. I mean, if Juwan ever gets to a final four sometime, there, somebody's going to bring this videotape out and show it. Oh, and, and it's going to be with him forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's going to have to deal with it forever. Um, but he's also a guy that knows about accountability mm-hmm. and, uh, he will respond and do it beautifully. I, I agree with you on that one with his, with his career over in Miami with LeBron and him winning a couple championships there with him replacing John Beeline at Michigan. Now he definitely knows what it takes and him being a fab five player. Uh, he, he's seen it all really. He's seen it oh, all no in the playoffs. He's seen it as a player, as a coach. And I think he will rebound just fine. I had a lot of people talk to me say, oh, he could potentially get fired. In my honest opinion, this was not a fireable offense. It was definitely one up for suspension, but not a fireable offense. Well, I think, too, that you know, everybody makes a knee-jerk reaction. You don't know what was said. You know, what, what did the assistant coach say? I mean, I still haven't read a full-blown report but there's somebody that knows mm-hmm. that there was something maybe said that you know kind of forced that reaction that there was some incendiary something i don't know what it was and mm-hmm. it probably it, it still juan shouldn't have shouldn't have uh, done that yeah but but it, it is what it is and uh, i think you have to move forward from it but i don't think you take a guy's career and end it uh, this kind of a deal, especially in an ultra competitive. I mean, he's, you know, he's sitting there too. And he's, again, going back to the, the, the explanation as opposed to a justification, he's sitting there knowing that every game for him mm-hmm. is, is a huge game because it could mean getting into the tournament or not. So he's sitting there going, Oh my God, you know, trying coaching his butt off through, through the entire game. And then seeing that game slip away, knowing how important every single game is. And then have that timeout be called late, and and, and the I, again his perception is 
why are you disrespecting my kids? I, I truly don't believe it was anything about him. I, I, he had his guys out there on the floor, and he's sitting there going, the game's over. You can take, bring the ball up the floor and, and sit there at half court, and you're done. Yeah. And you call a timeout? I'm sorry. I just that, – that, that, I think, got to Juwan in the sense that I thought his kids – he felt. And, again, it goes down to his perception, not mine, not anybody else's that was in there. Mm-hmm. What Juwan thought was that his kids were being disrespected. And that, to him, I know him well enough to know, that will not stand. Yeah, and if I were in his shoes, I would feel the same way. Uh, with I thought it was very unnecessary calling a 15-second yeah. before the end of the buzzer timeout. Um, but I understand why he of, did it. A lot, uh, of, lot of coaches, a lot of people, not just you. Oh, absolutely. The same way. I understand why, but I don't agree with the following actions to right. to all of it. And right. It's definitely a lesson to be learned on all fronts. Yep, and no question. In, in my honest opinion, I thought Greg Gard got off a little light with only a $10,000 fine that he's not even paying for. Yeah. Uh, but that's I thought just, that was, I thought that was a little, I thought the Wisconsin athletic director, in my opinion, was a bit out of line saying this is a Wisconsin fine, not a Greg Gard fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing. I've kind of feel the same way about it, but like I said, it is what it is. And, uh, you gotta move on and let it go. Of course. Yeah, of course. And it's, of course, any coach can learn from this, whether they participated in it or not. If you're watching hey, look, the video, you know, I think personally, there's a lot of coaches that watch that and went, man, there, but for the grace of God, go I. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's been times I'm sure Tom Izzo would like to have taken a shot at somebody. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. After so many times he gets heated in a, in the moment. Yeah. I mean, sometimes when he over, he, he coaches, what is it? They call it coaches strongly. His own players sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he, Tom's, Tom's, and I love Tom Izzo. I love him. I think he's a great coach. I am, I am, I am a big time Tom Izzo fan. Uh, but I'm sure there are times when he's hot, been hot under the collar and he's been close. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, every, every coach that's out there is, I'm sure, had their moments. And, and every one of them understand what, what Juwan was doing. Uh, all of them probably disagree with what he did. But, boy, they knew they'd been close. Oh, absolutely. And now that Michigan is one out of five in their last five regular season games, do you have any predictions on their upcoming four before the end of the season? I, I You know what? I don't. I, don't. I mean, I, I think I know they're going to play hard. Of course. And they're going to compete like hell. But they've, they've shown that they go through some – cold shooting stretches there there's not that one guy you can almost count on even though hunter dickinson is is close to that guy Mm -hmm. but but there's not it doesn't seem that one guy brooks seems to be the guy sometimes but there are times when he shoots and he can't hit it broadside of a barn there's Mm -hmm. there's always you know on one team there's a guy that it's like a a, in baseball there's that you're on a losing streak and you go to your starting pitcher that's your ace he stops the streak you don't lose five in a row you only lose three Mm mm-hmm and it's like if you get down ten, you sit there and you who can I get the ball to to score? And I know I can count on him hit a three or a couple of threes to get us back to within five, you know. Mm-hmm. And 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 Michigan just that guy hasn't been there consistently. Of course, 
And, uh, but that being said, you don't, you don't beat Purdue like they beat Purdue, which is a great basketball team. I think of, a you know, elite eight, you know, six sweet 16 type of basketball team, mm-hmm. the way Michigan beat them and, and not have the capability of, of winning every game they play. Mm-hmm. So it's just the old story. It's like they're, they're, they're in a position where they, they can't get by with their B game or C game. They got to play their A game to win games. Oh, absolutely. And with this, and, and, and uh, especially in the big 10 conference. Mm-hmm. And with, so I, like I said, I, you know, Michigan state is, is, is coming up and that's going to be a tough one. Oh, absolutely. Um, but you know, I, Michigan state has had their ups and downs. Yeah. So if you play your A game and they play their A game, you know, that's that, you know, that, that'll be close. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Michigan state plays their, their B or C game. Michigan plays their A game. Michigan wins. Well, I think every coach knows that when you walk into the walk into a game, if you shoot well, you rebound well and play defense, you win. If you don't, the other guy wins. Of course. And with Illinois coming up this Sunday, and then on March 1st is Michigan State, and then the third is against Iowa, all three of those games being at home, Michigan definitely has a chance to go 3-0 at home before they travel down to Columbus to face off at Ohio State. Right, right. Uh, it's Look, it's a it's a great ending stretch in the fact that they've got the games at home. But I think you also got to remember that without Juwan, I know that they'll play hard. They'll, 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 they'll fight right to the end and they've got Hunter Dickinson and he's a, he's a game changer. But, but I think the ultimate thing is, is they've got to help him out with some outside shooting Mm -hmm. and some consistent outside shooting. Absolutely. And And defense. And Juwan has been saying all along, I mean, even, even, even after the Purdue game, uh, I heard, uh, was it Brooks interviewed saying, you know, why, how did this happen? He says, well, because we, we, we bought into the defensive end. Mm-hmm. We, we really, we really, you know, today went out there and did everything defensively the way we did. I think that's, that's the way they're going to win games. If, if they play that end of the four first, uh, I think they got a chance in every game they play. Mm-hmm. No, I 100% agree with you. And I believe fullheartedly that they could go four out of the five right before the big 10 conference tournament well that may be what they have to do if they want to get into the ncaa absolutely and win a couple in the in the conference Mm -hmm. uh, tournament of course against top top teams in the big 10 too yep but gonna be a tough road oh absolutely we'll see what happens in the next couple weeks uh but before i ask you this last question i'd just like to say one more time thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today i greatly appreciate it Glad to do it. Uh, no worries, uh, Austin. Uh, good to be with you. Of course. And this last question has nothing to do with Michigan, nothing to do with football or basketball. I asked you, <laughs> I asked you this before we started, uh, but if you were to travel anywhere in the world, where would you travel to? Well, that's that's a great question, and I thought about it. And you know, I guess the one place we haven't been, and probably we we won't go in all our travels. You know, we. We've traveled to Ireland, which I love, and mm-hmm. we've been to Europe. Uh, Hawaii's a great spot. Um, one place we've never been is uh, Australia, New Zealand, and and that was that would be the only place that uh, 
you know, it would be a fun thing to go. But I think at this point, you know, the travel is so crazy with the the length of the flight. Uh, I, I don't think there's, I don't think there's a way we do it. But of late, though, the thing that I've enjoyed doing, what my wife and I have enjoyed doing, and it's it's really cool, is we take road trips. Uh, we have driven to uh, we well, one one year we went to the Upper Peninsula mm-hmm. from our home um, in suburban Detroit, and we turned left. And we didn't stop until we got to Yellowstone Park. Wow. <laughs> it wow. was a great drive through Minnesota, the Dakotas, uh, Montana, Wyoming. I mean, it was just, and just taking your time. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. stopping along the way, you know, and uh, we've done a little bit more of that. So from a travel standpoint, uh, we're, we're doing a little bit more of that. Not not so much doing the uh, the big trips, the cruises or any of that stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. We've been there, done that. And uh, I think getting to explore even the state of Michigan, taking the time and driving up to Whitefish Bay and looking at the Great Lakes Shipwrecking Museum mm-hmm. is a great trip. You know, having a, having a fresh whitefish sandwich from Lake Superior Ooh. at a roadside park along the lake. Oh, man, you're making me hungry that, now. <laughs> I was going to say, that, that's, a, that's, that's a neat deal. I mean, from Grand Marais, Michigan, you can get a whitefish sandwich and go down the road and sit there and watch the freighters go across Lake Michigan and eat your whitefish sandwich. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, so that... those, those are the, those are the kinds of things that we're doing now. And I'm telling you what, there's nothing wrong with them. They're actually uh, sometimes a little bit better highlight mm-hmm. than some of the, you know, quote unquote big trips you take to Europe. And oh, we've yeah. been to London, you know, and Europe and Germany and those places, but uh, Hawaii has been great, but I think uh, traveling around the United States and we were, Martha's Vineyard a couple of years ago had lobster rolls and looked at the Atlantic. Um, we were at Gettysburg not long ago. Went down there. That's a fabulous place. Oh, absolutely. History of the Civil War. Yeah. You can go into some of the museums in Gettysburg. It's just fascinating. Mm-hmm. So we're doing a little bit more of that. There's yeah. there's a Navy SEAL museum down here near, in Florida at Fort Pierce. Oh, really? That's a that's a really cool cool museum. I think I've heard of it. Actually, it's a great, it's a great, it's a, it's a great stop. Anybody wants to go there. It's a great stop. I'm telling you. Wow. Definitely have to keep that in mind next time in Florida. Absolutely. Go over to the the circus museum in Sarasota too. Okay. I will definitely keep that one in mind. But again, Mr. Brandstatter, thank you so much. And it was a pleasure talking with you. Austin, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. I'd just like to say thank you again to Mr. Jim Brandstatter for taking the time to speak with me and to get his perspective on Michigan football, basketball, and some events in this past season. It was great talking with him. I had a great experience, and I learned quite a bit from what he had to say. And with that, that is it for this episode of the Get Stoked Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope everyone enjoyed this episode, and I will see you on Tuesday from all the updates on this weekend. Have a good one.